Better than this, guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs here on this, is it Wednesday, Kyle? Yeah, when- you got it. Keep going. You got it. Wednesday episode of the Draft Dudes. Yeah! We're going to talk about football players. Kyle, welcome. Thanks, man. Trying to bring some positive energy and battle through this flu game thing I got going on right now, oh. so... I've referenced the flu game as, as a podcast before, but damn it, we're going to do it again, because... Here's the trick. Here's the trick. If you're going to go to Mobile for the Senior Bowl, and you also go to the Shrine Game the week before, the odds of you getting sick are like ninety eight percent. It's too much time on the road, too much time at airports. Lock it in, and that's where I'm at right now. All right. Well, next year we got to have a plan for you, uh, an orange juice plan, a vitamin plan, and see if we can break the trend. Put me in the bubble. That's <laughs> what you want to do, anyways, right? So. Kind of work in a film bubble. That's good. All right, so two players today: Christian Fulton, cornerback, LSU; Jalen Rieger, uh, wide receiver from Texas Christian University, the Horn Frogs over there. We want to talk about these guys. We've, we think we did one of these earlier in the year. It was like Lavisca Chenault and Derek Brown. We'll probably do a lot yeah. more of these moving yes. forward as we are kind of in this mode where it's rise and grind, tape all day long, writing reports, and so we want to get some good discussion here on the podcast to let you guys know what we feel about these players that are going to be on your favorite teams in just a few months. So we're going to start with Christian Fulton today. Let's do. All right. So a little background on Christian Fulton. He is a senior. Uh, He was at one point scheduled to come to the senior bowl. He ended up not uh, attending the event. Uh, Fulton's listed at six foot, 200 pounds, uh, had a brush in where it's like a diluted drug test, wasn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. in and And he was initially suspended for two seasons. And the NCAA came back and cut his suspension in half. Like, what was it? Like two months before the start of the 2018 season. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, by the way, you're able to play this year. Yeah. And I thought he played better than Greedy Williams in 2018. And uh, I, I thought, I don't want to speak for you, Joe, but when you really intimately watched LSU on a week to week basis, snap to snap basis, I thought he played better, better than Derek Stinley this year. Big facts. That is probably a little bit of a hot take, but Stingley got a lot of balls thrown at him, Mm -hmm. and it seemed like quarterbacks were content to throw after the inexperienced guy instead of trying to test Fulton. No question about it, Kyle. And um, that was one of my takes that I was ready to drop on this podcast today. So you you went ahead and put it out there. I Mm -hmm. absolutely agree with you. It's funny, like, not that I want to turn this into a Derek Stingley conversation, but I do want to say he's, he's outstanding. He's a freshman. Uh, played really well. But I thought it was so interesting how many times I've listened to analysts, whether it's uh, reading through a tweet thread or just people talking about Stingley, specifically mentioning, oh, this receiver and how they fared against Stingley. Well, how many different receivers are we going to talk about how impressive they were considering they were going up against Stingley before we realized that the best cornerback on the team last year was Christian Fulton? Stingley may be a better prospect, and we've got two years to figure that out. But this this LSU secondary has been really outstanding for the last couple of years, and I think Christian Fulton has been the centerpiece as to why. So let's talk about why. Yeah. Let's get into some details. What did you see on film? Man, I saw a really good football player. Um, 
the the this is the big buzzword that I've always kind of go with when I start thinking about Christian Fulton that became apparent when watching his tape is that he just never panics. And he never panics because he's always doing what he's supposed to be doing, no matter what the technique is, off-man zone, press. He's just so confident in what he's doing. Everything looks so natural. When the ball's in the air, he doesn't panic. He finds it. He gets himself in a position to uh, you know, compete at the catch point. He anticipates route breaks. It's just because he's so locked in on his technique and he has all the physical ability to really win each rep, he trusts it and he doesn't panic. And I think that says a lot about where he is as a player and probably how ready he is to come in and play at the next level. He's so spatially aware. That's one thing that I also came away with, that no matter what the situation was, red zone, whether it was a zone coverage where he's overlapping, uh, squeezing a route, passing it off, those types of things, it just feels like he just has such a savvy awareness about everything going on around him, and it leads to that natural play. It leads to that never panic type uh, mentality, and I just think he's he's just so consistent in just about everything you're looking for a cornerback to do. Well, I think the the never panic mentality is really important because you could tell he's been taught like just play the hands. Like he's not a guy that's going to get his eyes back around and pick up the ball in flight pretty early in reps. And because I think he's really good in press man and, and playing in phase and from the trail position. He's not given a lot of opportunities to play overhang and then break on stuff in front of his face. Mm -hmm. So you see him so effectively, whether it's, you know, RPOs and they're running slants and he's in phase and he kind of converts and gets his eyes inside late. Like he's got the length and he's got the hand-eye coordination that he's constantly batting balls from that inside hip. When you test him vertically, he'll go straight up and break the hands. I thought that was because if you're if you're going to look for knocks on Christian Fulton, I think one of the biggest things people are going to point to is well, he doesn't have a lot of ball production, right? Not a lot of not a lot of consistency in generating and creating turnovers. But if you watch him play, it's because a he's so sticky, he's not getting targeted nearly as much, and b it's because the way he plays receivers at the catch point is he just plays the hands. Dude, both of his interceptions in his career were amazing plays. Yeah. I mean, so I mean it, he, he has the ability to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just not how he's been coached to play in phase at the catch point. Which is so interesting because this morning I watched Jalen Johnson from Utah and total opposite of what you just talked about with that eye discipline and where his eyes are uh, in relationship to the route and what's going on in the backfield. And not, not that I want to go into a Jalen Johnson discussion, but I oh, appreciate that. Jack, this podcast. <laughs> I appreciate what you just said more than ever after watching Jalen. Okay, so what did you have for Knox? It's tough to poke holes in him, um, but I do have a couple things. Obviously, you do have to mention that he missed 2017 on account of a suspension for tampering with an NCAA drug test. Um, I have some gripes about him being a little bit more of an ankle nipper than a wrap-up tackler and just kind of that run defense overall. He's not as bad as some guys um, against the run at the cornerback position this year, but you know, there's times where I just felt like he needed to give a little more effort on his run fills and keep leverage um, and play off contact more consistently to finish. But in coverage, man, I just didn't have a whole lot of gripes. I, I think maybe I'm interested for you to comment on his athleticism because I think he's a pretty good athlete. I don't think he's like a Jeff Akuda type, uh, you know, in terms of quickness and athleticism. But I think he's not somebody that I get concerned with with his athleticism. 
All right. So some of the notes I have on athleticism, reading through my individual traits under flexibility, I mentioned that the hips are fluid, shows pretty good knee bend and hip drop in, in to play in a stance and play with a low center of gravity. Uh, I think he's got very good long speed. I don't think a short area agility and click and close. And if he's playing off coverage, you know, you're playing him eight yards and they're going to yeah. you're going to run a, a three step slant. He's not going to be able to really close that distance in a great deal of time. But if the quarterback's not on time, then he's going to be able to work back into the body because his longer speed's much better than a short area acceleration, in my opinion. Uh, I think he's physical, uh, but I don't think he's necessarily enough a, a presence, kind of what you talked about with the run fits and collapsing wide receiver blocks off the edge and stuff, because he's a little lean framed. Like he he's scrappy, but he's not physically dominant. And I'm sure you saw a steep dynamic there. I'm not going to hijack the podcast either. But Jalen Johnson and his physicality versus what you would get with a Christian Fulton, like I think there's a big difference in those two players in that capacity as well. So I think he's a good athlete, but I do think he's somebody I would prefer to keep in inside five yards and play man coverage majority of the time. I don't want to play him in soft cover three, and I don't want to play him in off man. I think playing in terms of playing to his strengths, I think you're correct, but I don't know that he's like super limited where you get nervous about not being able to have those types of packages. No, I don't, I don't think he's a complete scheme specific guy that it's like, well, if he's not going to go play in this, he's no use to us. Right. I think he's functional right. in all areas, but I think if you really want to make the most of him as you should, because somebody's going to be drafting this guy, top 20, top 25 mm-hmm. at the absolute worst, in my opinion, unless there's some off the field stuff that bubbles up. That's where I want him. I want him in that spot to say, I'm going to match you against their best receiver. Take him out of the game. And I feel like he has the capability to do that because he's long. He's got good long speed and he is super effective with his technique inside press coverage and transitioning, flipping, carrying guys up the field. So I've got him as a top 15 player. He'll be top 20 for me. Okay. Is he going to be CB2 for you? Or do you, I mean, I know you like CB, a couple guys. Unless there's somebody that comes way out of left field, yes. He's okay. CB2 for me behind Jeff Akuda. Right. And so you, I mean, I'm looking at my cornerbacks and like it's Kuda, it's Fulton. And then there's a little bit of a drop off to the next tier where you'll find guys like you know, CJ Henderson, Damon Arnett, Damon Trayvon Arnett. Diggs. Thank you. Yes. Oh, yeah. Damon Arnett. So we'll, please put him in there. Please put him in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we, we can get to him. I mean, he's probably the B-plus version of uh, Christian Fulton in a lot of ways. Um, maybe what about if, C.J. Henderson? Where's he at? You know what I feel about C.J. Henderson. Come on, Joe. Say you it know, on the pod, you coward. I like him in coverage a lot. I, he, he's just a against the run and there's Stop there's it. there's nothing you can say to convince me otherwise i could give you rep dude you see him try the tavian feaster rep against south carolina Stop where he just it. refused it was like the 10 yard line he refused he said no i'm just gonna watch you go in the end zone there's not a chance i'm getting in your way mm. there's just every game there's just i'm just like man i would hate that guy if he was my okay. teammate all right so we're gonna fight on that one it's fine because i think he's a selective tackler he's not a good run defender he's a selective run defender see i think jalen johnson is a selective run defender and i think tj henderson doesn't want it okay well i i would disagree i would agree that jalen johnson's somewhat selective yeah he likes to watch a little bit um okay i think we're good here on (laughs) before we get too far off the rails fighting over corners that's good man that's it's fun for us to have some uh, little little gripes all right yeah, jalen rager fisticuffs well that's rager. good jalen rager oh, okay so let's get this right it's rager that's how i say it 
Okay. <laughs> All right. So Jalen Reger, Texas Christian University wide receiver, a junior, uh, 5'11", 195 is what he's listed at. Had 1,000 yards in 2018 and nine touchdowns. Uh, this year, the production dropped a bit. I mean, this quarterback was terrible at TCU this past year. Winds up having 611 yards and five touchdowns. Not as big a part of the offense as he was in 2018. But like I said, just quarterback play, I think, played into that. I think just kind of from a high level, when you think about Jalen Rager, he does three things for you that are extremely valuable. Number one, he's dynamic after the catch, explosive yards after catch guy. Uh, very creative. He can really navigate his, his way through tight quarters, make guys miss, and his acceleration is unbelievable. He's got a, re- a renowned background in track and field. Those traits show up on the football field. Number two, he can get vertical and really stretch defenses down the field, really get behind secondaries. He's going to be tough for you know a lot of cornerbacks to be able to match steps with and carry him alone down the field. So he's going to put a lot of stress on defenses because he can win vertically and also him as a punt returner and a kick returner. He's, he brings all, all the stuff that we just talked about in terms of what he can do in the return game as a yards after catch guy. It shows up in the return game. And so when you're talking about explosive big plays, when you look at Jalen Rager, he's a guy that can deliver those things. Now he's raw. He's got he's a little bit rigid and things we got to talk about. But from a high level, he does those three things and they're valuable things. You think he's read our reports? Oh, he read my report yesterday for sure. <laughs> he's something the man's out there subtweeting me. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, t- to be fair, uh, my worst trait for for Rager is drops. So I saw some of the things, same things that you saw with his hands. And I guess we'll start with with that point. And I think there's a lot more positive than negative to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So I want to get this out of the way. Uh, thought they were concentration drops. Really, it, it just seemed like he wanted at times to get his eyes up out of the catch too quickly. And... Uh, I'd be curious what his hand size actually checks in at as far as he's not a guy that's going to win a lot when you test his catch radius. He can go up and elevate and play above the rim, and I'm very comfortable with what he can do there because he's so explosive. But if you're going to ask him to go down low and dig one out, or if you're going to throw one that's a a half a football length too far out of his wingspan, immediate wingspan, those are the areas that I thought you started to see the inconsistency come into play. So I'd be interested to hear what you, because I watched him in, in late December. I'd be interested, you guy who's watched yeah. him more recently than I have, if you felt like you got a lot of the same impressions out of him. I agree with you that that's one of the root causes of his drops. I do think there's some other things as well that play into it. Number one, hand alignment, the way that he greets the football, not always consistent with the technique that you're taught as a wide receiver in terms of thumbs up if it's above the waist. Uh excuse me, thumbs down if it's above the waist, thumbs up if it's below the waist. Sometimes he's late to get his hands there, and that sometimes is a good thing because you don't tip the ball's arrival. But I think it just kind of gets on top of him a little bit, and he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have that natural hand alignment to get himself in position to handle that football. And then also just like in terms of, like you talked about, extending his catch radius, above the rim, yeah, he can jump and catch a football. There's plenty of reps doing that. But when he's got a little bit of contact that he has to deal with, and you kind of com- combine that with just what I think are just unnatural hands, not like terrible, like he's just going to not be useful because he doesn't catch anything, but there is that lack of natural hands that I think when when you challenge him with contact or you know traffic around him, it doesn't always produce the results you're looking for. So I think it's a combination of all three of those things. Yeah, I don't think he's an alpha at the catch point. He's no. had some really nice plays at the catch point. Yes, yes. But it's just not an area where you're going to hang your hat. Like you said, right. there's three areas that you can really count on him winning for you definitively. Catch point and contested and back shoulder throws. He's got some good body control. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you put it 
on the outside shoulder, not outside of it, because then I, that's where I start to get a little shaky as far as is he going to haul that ball in. But if you put it on the back shoulder and it's well-timed and Rager does his job to, to peel late, you can win in those areas, but he's not going to bail out an inaccurate quarterback, I don't think. Yep, that's a good way to put it. Yep, I agree with that. So let's talk about the wins here. Uh, man, is he, he's so explosive vertically. I would have loved to have put him in an offense where, you know, you mentioned the quarterback play being inconsistent at TCU, and there were a lot more reps. He was like LaVisca Chenault this year, In if he got the ball when he was actually open <laughs> instead of just when the ball got there, yeah. the production would have been night and day versus what we actually saw. Yeah, good point. Um. Man, I was I watched the Oklahoma State game the against the TCU Oklahoma State game, and there were just two interceptions that this quarterback threw. That I mean, it was like in in rhythm, five step drop, hit his back foot, and just sailed it down the field like a, just a lob to nobody except for the deep safety. And it was like it was just like a, a warm up throw for that safety to just go <laughs> go and break on it and just catch the football. I'm like, brother, I don't know what this quarterback is doing. Um, and that definitely showed up. That's a good way to put it. Um, that explosiveness that, you know, that's that really just elusive skill set that he has. It leads to some really exciting, aggressive angles off the line of scrimmage when he's releasing. And so yeah. if you're going to play up on top of him, you better have unbelievable lateral mobility to slide and keep square or else he's just going to blow right by you off the snap. So that was another thing that I appreciate. And I think on top of his long speed that he already has, his ability to really take those aggressive angles gets him in position to get vertical and create that separation down the field. Now, I'm curious. You you said you thought you saw some rigidness. In what yeah. areas of his game did you see that? Because I apply that to the angles that he takes and what his lateral mobility is at the line of scrimmage to beat press. And I thought he was pretty twitched in that area. So I'd be curious what part of his game you thought you saw him be stiff. Uh, I wasn't saying uh, rigid in terms of anything he has athletically or physically rigid in terms of rough around the edges, some things that he has to work oh, okay. on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes much more sense because <laughs> I'm watching him beat press, right? Yeah. And whether it's a skip release or hard inside jab and then stepping outside the amount of ground that he can cover because he's not a big guy either. He's listed at 5'11". He's pretty dense, he's but dense, he's, though, not, yeah. he's not a big, big long strider guy. And pair that with the 0 to 60 that he's able to to provide. Like I, I put his best skill as vertical receiving because if you're going to press him, he's going to stack you in, in no time at all. If you play 10 yards off, he's going to stack you in no time <laughs> at all. So mm-hmm. I, I think the explosiveness that he brings and he's not just a straight line runner either is a really exciting projection to the next level based on this is a guy that most likely is going to be a much better pro player than he was a a college player strictly because the opportunities and targets and volume is going to be there at a much higher rate than what you're going to get or what you got at TCU. We talked a lot about the hands, Kyle. Um, I think he's got a lot in terms of, I mean, he ran a really simple route tree at TCU. I'm not going to like knock him because he wasn't asked to do more, but I think there's an adjustment there to be mindful of in terms of what he's going to be asked to do at the next level. But if I had to say there was a secondary concern that I had in addition to his hands, I would say whenever contact is introduced, it seems like it doesn't take much for that to really impact him, whether that is a cornerback getting you know their hands on him at the line of scrimmage, 
whether it's as a ball carrier when that first tackler comes and they you know they strike them, it just feels like whenever that those types of things are introduced at the top of routes uh, at the catch point, you know those are not situations where I think he finds himself winning as consistently. And like when you when you bring in another receiver like a Henry Ruggs, who I guess you would say they have similar strengths, uh, maybe not similar weaknesses, but like. Henry Ruggs is one of those burners that has all the great attributes that we're talking about with Jalen Rieger, except for when the physicality and contact is introduced, he holds his own a lot better. And I thought that was a concern for Rager. Joe, let's talk a little bit about um, his placement in the class, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's a very stacked wide receiver class. This is the first time I've had two wide receivers with top 10 overall values as far as prospects. I've got three more guys with first round grades and Rager's not one of them which is crazy because he brings so much, you know, we we've had a pretty candid conversation about what he was asked to do versus what he can do and some inconsistency. You can't coach a lot of the stuff that he brings to the table. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a team fall in love with the uncoachable component of him and for him to go higher than some of the guys that I have graded above him. But this is going to be a top 50 player for me, which means this wide receiver class has a lot of depth because you're talking six, seven, maybe eight guys in the top 50. It's a great class. Yeah. And so whenever we talk about, I know this is probably true for you as well, but when you talk about a guy that I assign a first round grade to, you know, I, I don't want to see a whole lot of warts or, or holes that I can poke in the game. You know, I'm looking for really complete guys. And so because we've identified three pretty sizable areas where Rager misses the mark, he's not going to have a first round grade for me, but I would understand a team adding him. Think about Green Bay. Think about the New Orleans Saints. We had a conversation yesterday about all the landing spots for LaVisca Chenault. Some of those make sense for Rager as well. So um, I could see just, I mean, because of what he does well is so valuable, a team taking him in the first round. It's just whenever you guys see my final board and you don't see a first round grade next to him, just understand the reasons why. Right. So we've been doing this long enough. You have a final grade for him from a film perspective. Yeah. Fill in the blank. Jalen Rager is a bl- top blank prospect on my board in the 2020 draft. Well, right now. <laughs> because I can't I can't give you a definitive answer, and I don't know exactly how many guys you've done, so I don't want to pigeonhole you. Yeah. But you know what his score typically has translated to. Yeah, so right now, and I I mean I I got a I still got some ground to cover here. He's probably gonna be he'll be a top sixty player. Okay. And he'll be a top 50 player for me. I feel pretty confident in that based on the number of wide receivers I've done. Could get there just, for me. It just depends on how much I like some of the other day two kind of guys that right. I'm working on right more, now. Yeah. How much more the depth kind of comes into play. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it. It's nice to be back on the draft dudes and talking about the draft <laughs> and, uh, we got the Super Bowl this weekend coming up, so we are nearing the end. To be fair, we've got XFL coming up next month, Joe. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I wish it all the best, but I don't know that I – I don't have time right now, right, with, with being deep into this class um, and everything that's going on from the NFL side of things. But And, and obviously, look, my, my Orlando Apollos, man, I'm still a little sour about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I got a T-shirt and everything, man. Now my you wife sleeps in it. You can't yourself out there and get heart, heartbroken two times in a row in a year. No. Nope. Listen, though, I'm a DVR, and we're going to watch the whole season together in May. Okay. <laughs> we'll need something to do, right? <laughs> yeah. We're going to watch XFL May. Lock it in. Uh, but anyway, so I would expect you're getting a lot of these kinds of 
podcast over the yeah. course of the next couple of weeks before the combine. So if you have any players you'd like to hear us talk about, please just tweet at us. I'm at grinding the tape. Joe is at the Joe Marino. Uh, you can also reach us in our TDM premium Slack, which is an offering included in TDM premium. Uh, TDM premium we introduced last week. We've had a lot of great feedback so far. It includes trades in our mock draft simulator at thedraftnetwork.com. It includes access to the premium Slack slash expert form on which you can interact with us and other like-minded fans on a day-to-day basis. Uh, it includes an ad-free browsing experience at thedraftnetwork.com. And it also includes a number of different draft guides, including my 2020 NFL Draft Prospectus, some team-specific stuff that we're doing. So listen, 30 bucks for the year. Go get yourself signed up. Come Slack us. You'll find me. I'm, I'm the grindfather, and I think Joe's just Joe Marino. Right? Just Joe. Yeah, just Joe Marino. Just Joe. Yeah, no. well. Just your average so, Joe. Come hit us up. Let us know who you want us to talk about. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Draft News Podcast.